0: Hi, how are you today? This is Donna Otto, and we are marching through to our preparation for Easter. And I am so glad to talk to you today about some things in your home, some questions that we've had about organization, and some new and novel ways to refresh your home. Easter is a time of refreshing and regeneration, beginnings, newnesses. Um, just as Jesus awoke from the dead, new things are happening, new beginnings. Oh, we often see the baby chicks at Easter, and certainly the spring green, if you live in any place at all that is above the temperature of 40, we're beginning to see a little spring green bud popping. I grew up in the city of Chicago, and while I may have worn my winter coat over my spring Easter dress to church and my boots, there would still be a little spring green budding on the trees. They're fresh smells, and if you live in an area where spring is really springy, maybe there's even some green grass as there is in our town. We are about finished with what little rain we get until the summertime and so the windows need to be washed and there's a freshness about fresh windows or spring cleaning and today I want to talk a little bit about some organizational tools and some cleaning but I also want to give you that old idea of spring cleaning and it isn't time for new beginnings. It's a time for cleaning up the corners and the closets and a sense of freshness and I I think that's a good thing to ride all, as we go into Easter and think about pastel colors I really want to encourage you not to decorate your home not only seasonally but in any kind of decoration I'm not a designer in any way but don't buy a piece of art that matches your sofa buy a piece of art because you like it whether it's a print or a pencil. or it doesn't matter whether it's original or not original. Sure, we'd all love to have originals on all of our walls, wouldn't we? But don't buy something that's color-coordinated. And don't be afraid to put a pop of royal purple or pale yellow in your... Mm, browns and oranges and rust tone home. It's a set aside space. I've told the story before and uh, talked about it in the book that I wrote, Finding Your Purpose as a Mom Building Home on Holy Ground. But a dear friend of mine's mother, who lived in a very small house all of her married life, when I say small, it was the size of a two car garage. She and her husband bought a piece of property on Puget Sound in Washington, and they were going to build a beautiful home overlooking the sound. And circumstances of financial nature changed their plan. What they did was buy the land and build a garage, and the two of them were going to live in it until the house was built. And they did, and they set it about with two rooms, a living room and a kitchen and a bedroom. And then suddenly she was pregnant and they took their bedroom and cut it in half, which was the quarter of the garage. And their daughter was born and their daughter had one quarter of the garage. And then suddenly there were more financial reversals and they had a second child and now there were four of them living in this. And that is how they lived all the days of their lives. And they died in in that small facility. But she had a table in her house, that was her seasonal change. As I talked a few days ago about just a plant, well, she had this table and she would decorate it. it. didn't matter what the other decoration colors were. It was red at Valentine's Day and green and red and gold at Christmas. So don't be afraid to bring these pastel colors into your home, even though you don't have pastels. Maybe at the front door or on the back door, if you have a, a window looks out on a patio or a porch or a swing, do these things. Centerpieces, be natural in their colors. Browns or a, a wreath. A wreath is always a great centerpiece. And you can get those rope vine wreaths very inexpensively at the craft shops and put some lilies or some daffodils or something bright color on it. You can use the moss and decorate it. You can put fresh flowers or artificial flowers. Eggs. Eggs are huge and wonderful decoration, and you can make them yourself. We always dye eggs, and we do it the old way. We do it the old way, and we hard-boil them, and then we dye them, and then we refrigerate them, and then we hide them, and we do Lots of eggs, dozens and dozens of eggs. And then at our house uh, on Easter day, we have a great activity. I'm not going to tell you about it today. I'm going to tell you another day, another activity. But today, I'm just encouraging you to cover the table with a tablecloth that's pink or lavender or, or spring green. Put some green grass down the center of it and put some plastic eggs. Maybe that's how you'll do your celebration the days before Easter. The Easter basket is, of course, a wonderful idea. Our daughter has her original Easter basket, 42 years old, and she always uses it as the centerpiece. Butterflies and flowers and eggs and things that represent spring. Getting outdoors as soon as you can to enjoy the weather. Start a new tradition this year. Maybe you want to gather friends together and have um, an egg hunt. Now, some of you are saying those are great ideas and some of them I might like, but you haven't seen my house, and we always get questions, probably because I have (coughs) written about organization and home organization, and probably because home organization was a real change point in my life. I was the original messy. I couldn't find my keys regularly. The bills were late in payment. Um, I hid things in the bottom of the pile, and everyone's heard me say that I used to hide my dishes in the clothes dryer. True. And then I began to understand the importance of organization in my own home, in my own life. And organization is not about just getting organized, it's about staying organized. That's that horrible thing, that horrible M-word called maintenance, But because of this and this part of the Ministry of Homemakers, we often get questions about organizations. So today, I'm going to answer a few questions that you have sent me. So here's the first question. How do I manage the clutter with three kids? Three kids bringing three amounts of stuff. I recently said on one of the broadcasts that we had just one of our grandchildren for a few days. I was amazed at the stuff he came with pajamas and backpacks for school and the file folder and the lunchbox. And he had a few toys. And um, it was a pile of stuff. Of course, fresh clothes for every day at school. Outdoor shoes and indoor shoes. And I I was overwhelmed with all the stuff. And when you multiply that by three kids, I still believe that one of the auto-mottos that works for me, and I, I just helped a young woman who said to me that her drop zone was driving her crazy. You have a drop zone, whether you call it a drop zone or not. We all do. It's that place when you get out of the car, off of the bus, with your stuff from the day, a grocery bag of groceries, a school book, a backpack. It's that stuff we take out of the house with us in the morning and we bring back at the end of the day. And the first thing we want to do is drop it. We want to be done with it. We want to leave it. But we all know what that drop zone looks like then. And we drop it and we leave it. And then what do we have to do? We have to touch it again. Now there are all these old rules about only touch things one time. I I don't necessarily agree with that. But I do think that if you will train your children and yourself to this one thing, and that's put it back where you got it from. Where did your purse come from this morning? Put it there. Where do the groceries go? Put them there. Where does the school books go? Put them there. Where do the school books go? Where do the shoes go? Where do the dirty clothes go? Where do the clean clothes go? Where does it go? Now, some of you say, the truth is I don't have a place for everything, and that's why I have so many piles of clutter. Well, that's a a question for another day, but if you want to hear this woman's question is, how do I manage the clutter with three kids? Tell your kids and yourself to put it back where you got it from. The next question, she says, I have space issues. How do I save time in food preparation? Well, that's a great question because we all struggle with it. As much as we'd like to have an ideal kitchen with everything where we want it to be, we don't. We Almost all of us have space issues. Some of that has to do with storage and saving, and we're not talking about that subject today. But the thing that comes to my mind is that when you're in your kitchen... You should have things that work together close to each other. So if you're about to make a stir-fry dish and you need your wok and a big spoon and a chopping board and a knife, uh, are those things close to each other? Now, knives should be with other knives. Silverware and dishes should be close to each other either your table or your dishwasher, if you own one, or your sink. Because in the end, they get out of the cabinet, used at the table, and put back into the cabinet. In the middle, they have to be washed. So when you're organizing your kitchen, and some of you said, well, I never organized my kitchen, I just put it in where it fit. Well, maybe it's time to begin to do that. And you might start doing it, as I'm suggesting to her, by putting things that work together, baking things, frying things, food things. And there's a whole section in my book called The Secrets to Getting More Done. You can buy that online. That helps you organize your kitchen in ways that work. The next question is, I make new files and I can't remember what I called them. Oh, that that was a question made. I could have written that question myself. I get very clever with my file names and then I can't remember them. And I can remember thinking, well, how do other people do it? And I practiced for years trying. Paper organization was my last stronghold. I was unorganized with paper. I still tend to get unorganized with paper. And I remember, how do other people do it? How do other people do it? And then one thing I read by an organizer, not myself, and that writer said, file by association if you go to a conference and you're going to remember this piece of information because it was at the conference at will then file it that way even though the subject may have nothing to do with if you will remember it however you will remember it and be able to find it like my grade school friends uh, my grade school and high school friends, I recently went to my 47th high school reunion. That's how old I am. And I wanted that information uh, the things that pictures and grade school and high school memorabilia. Well, I have that filed, not by their names, not by years, not by high school or grade school. I have it all filed together. And so when I look for something, I can do that. How important are clean tabletops? Clean surfaces are the most important thing to your sight, to your creativity, to the well-being of an orderly home. It's the last question I have time for today, but let me say, cleaning your surface tops, your surface spaces is ultimately important to the organization of your home. Women by far react to a messy surface more than they react to mounds of dirt. A child can come through the back door with mud and leave it on the kitchen floor. It's not as internally combusting to a woman as a table full of clutter and junk. So get the surfaces clean. And what does that mean you need to do with them? Maybe you need to sweep the surfaces clean, put them in the trash can. Did I say that? Or clean the surfaces, and put it in some bags, and begin to find some order. Again, please look for the book, The Secrets to Getting More Done in Less Time, on our website. Oh, I want to talk about the next one. It's laundry. We'll do it another day. Thank you for joining me today. I am Donna Otto. This is Homemakers by Choice. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day.